James for three. Bang! At the buzzer! We're talking about practice. Happy New Year to everybody and welcome to uh, our first podcast for 2024. How was your uh, New Year's over there, George? Yeah, it was a nice little break. Thanks, Foss. How was yours? Yeah, it's good. So those that uh, follow us on any of our podcast platforms might have realized we just have taken a couple of weeks off. We decided to take a little break over New Year's, but we're back. And I think we should just get straight into our unofficial drink sponsor. Dude, there is a lot to talk about today. So yes, let's get straight into it. Our very unofficial drink sponsor, the first one of the year, is an oldie but a goodie. It's Soda Boss. Now, we did this early on. Another Soda Boss. Another Soda Boss. I just got a couple of different flavors for us to try. So uh, your delightful beverage is the uh, Peach Rings flavor. Peach Rings. And I've got Strawberry Gummies. All right. Another lolly flavoured ones. You love the lollies. Yeah. Tastes like lollies. Yep. Just like the last Soda Boss. That's very much just melted down lolly flavour. That's just, yeah, strawberry lollies melted down. But I'm okay with it. I'm not sure I've ever had a peach ring lolly before though. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, I don't know either. But I think I've had so, the, I, I, the taste is familiar though. Very, very familiar. Not going to lie. That's why I gave it to you because I'm like, I don't know what this one is. All right. But it's a bit bit sweet for me. So I reckon it's maybe a six and a half out of 10. Look, at least it's there. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Bang! It's over! The Bulls win! After our uh, little break there in between our segments, I just want to say, how good was Derek Rose back in the day? Dude, Derek Rose was like, it, it's hard to describe. When he was with the Bulls and, and healthy, he was one of the most dynamic players on the court. And injuries absolutely crueled his career, but he still can come out and drop a 50-piece. I think I think he improved his basketball skill, though, from that injury. Absolutely. Because he was just a freak athlete, but he had to go away and actually learn how to play without being able to jump out of the gym. Like, Ja Morant reminds me of him, apart from the whole pulling guns and stuff. But Ja Morant, with his explosiveness and, and all-round ability, does remind me of a young And let's Rose. hope Ja Morant doesn't blow out a knee. Look, yeah, let's not jinx anyone. That That's awful. All right, but let's just get into our top threes because we got off topic a bit there for those ones. Do you want to start us off tonight, George? Can do. All right. I'm not going to go too much into specific players this week. Um, I just wanted to mention the Lakers as the first one. There's there's lots of reports coming out of La La Land that there's a big disconnect between Darvin Ham and the players. And then it's the, the constant changes in, in rotation that is making it difficult for the players to find any rhythm. We know, and we've talked about it in the pod earlier on, that they initially were starting uh, D'Lo, Reeves, LeBron, etc., etc. Yeah. But then they moved Reeves to the bench to to make make it a little bit, I don't know, a bit of a better balance, I think. And now they've, as of just before Christmas, just before our last pod, D'Lo was put to the bench. Yeah. Now Reeves is starting again. I don't think the players really know what's going on. They've got such a deep team 
and Darvenham's trying to find minutes for at least 11 players every night. And we talked about how D'Lo going to the bench might have been around like a trade that was coming up or something. Potentially. Um, but that obviously hasn't happened. So now they're going to be looking at different things and how that's going to work out. But there is definitely a disconnect there between some of the players um, and that because I um, was on, saw on ESPN the other day, um, Ham came out and he's just kind of like, oh, look, it's just health. We need our team to get healthy before we can get out there and stuff. Yeah, but and who's then, not healthy apart from Gabe Vincent? Yeah, and um, Anthony Davis came out and he's just like, we've got the players on the bench. You just need to play them, mate. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, Darvenham's come out and said, you know, management are on board and blah, blah, blah. But when you've got LeBron sitting in his locker and just going, we just suck at the moment. And they have been garbage. They have been since, absolute garbage since IST. Exactly right. That's about what I say. They Since the tournament, trash. I think they're sitting 11th in the West now. Yeah. Are they, and they dropped it to Memphis at home yesterday. D-Rose, your boy, sitting yep. on the bench. Dreadlocks looking magical. Um, but yeah, they're, they're really struggling at the minute. Yeah. Um, and my first point in our top three is uh, the injuries in Orlando. Um, where they've just got so many injuries at the moment and... I'm just wondering whether this is going to stop their run. And in saying that, they did beat Denver yesterday with all these... Yeah. Like, it was a great 30-point triple-double by Bancaro. So now I'm kind of like, this is a bit um, irrelevant, my segment. No, at the moment. no it's but, not irrelevant at all. Because but I'll go, through, still... I'll go through who they got out at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. they got Jonathan Isaac out um, indefinitely at the moment with another e- knee problem, I'm pretty sure. Joe Ingles is out. Wendell Carter Jr. is day-to-day. Marco Fultz is out. Gary Harris is out. Um, Bataze is day-to-day. Anthony Black's day-to-day. Franz Wagner is out. So that that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players from so, their roster. So they're suiting seven, eight players a night. Yeah, all calling up G-leaguers, mate. So, like... Bankero is going to need to have 30-point triple-doubles to, yeah, they, to carry gonna... him. And he was the man in their last... They had a tough loss in overtime um, in the second-last game, and then they beat Denver yesterday. But Bankero has been huge, like future MVP of the league. Yeah, look, they're still a, a very good team. Yeah. But yeah, when you've got eight players and eight rotation players out... That's tough, man. That's a lot of pressure on Bankera and the Wagners to try and carry that team. And Bankera being as young as he is, like I think he's only 21, um, is he going to be able to hold up to it? Is his body going to hold up to to having that much load on his back so early? Look, I'm just going to throw this at you because you know how much I love to throw a question at you without warning. Yep, shoot. If you're a GM and you're building a team and I say to you, you can have Bankero or you can have Ant as your oh, that is a cornerstone. Tough, that is a tough call. Who do you pick? I would pick Bancaro at the moment. It's tough, isn't it? Because I feel like Bancaro is more mature. Although Ant-Man has been really mature this year compared to previous seasons. Ant-Man's consistency isn't quite there yet. But you look at Bancaro's body of work, especially this season, it's very impressive. Yeah. But yeah, that is a very tough question. Yeah, just throw that at you. And look, speaking of teams that are struggling... Golden State. There's been a lot going on in Golden State. We've talked about it a lot in previous episodes. We had a whole segment on Golden State. Yeah, and look, we, I don't want to go into it too much, but the big thing I just wanted to to talk about was it, it's almost like it's a similar to Lakers situation. It's a growing rift between like Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. Two, two players in particular. Two very young players, 
that are just not happy with their roles. Like Kaminga starting because they bench Wiggins and that's been a really positive move for them. But then in their game where they absolutely choked to Denver, Kaminga didn't play the last 18 minutes of the game. 25 to 6 turnaround and Kaminga sat for the last 18 minutes of the game. 18 minutes straight. And Moses Moody, I think, has had DMPs in the last four games. Yeah, he needs to get on the court. Moses Moody needs to get on the court. Like, he was a star for them in his rookie year. Yeah, absolutely. And now you look at Draymond Green's been reinstated by he the NBA as of this morning. As of so, this morning. So he can come back and play. Chris Paul's now broken his hand. Doing um, what? Punching a wall? No, it was it was in the game against Detroit yesterday. In okay. the third quarter, he broke his hand. So he's out for a while now. Like, Dario Saric has been really good. A couple of their roots, rooks have been It is been good okay. to see Saric playing well. But what's going on there? Why why are they just treading water with Kamigo and Moody? If, if you're not going to invest in them, trade them to Toronto and get Siakam. They're an aging team. They're they an aging team who, realistically, beside of Curry... I would say everyone else is on the the block to be traded. Look, I, I don't disagree at all, but I'm just thinking you look at it and go, as you say, because they're aging, are they just trying to make one more run when it all goes They were hoping, they were hoping for one will. more run. Because it will. But Clay's, Clay is a glorified role player now. He is. Um, and Looney is a solid center, but he's never going to be an all-star. Um, and not Wig- Wiggins just looks like he doesn't want to be there. They're not big enough. And I guess the question is, like, is the best opportunity from now is to go after Siakam and send Wiggins back to Canada and maybe include Clay to make it good. Put him up there with your RJ Barrett um, and who else was in that trade? Uh, quickly. quickly. Yep. Scotty so. Barnes. Like, I think we're going to touch on it later on today. We are. We're going to talk about the trade rumors and whatnot. So Siakam is most likely on the move and there's a lot of teams that are rumored. But Warriors was one that I read yesterday that they're talking about it. And he'd be a very interesting fit, but I still think they need to make a move for another legitimate center. Well, the the two teams um, were Lakers and Golden State at the moment, are the two front runners to get Siakam. Yep. Um, Because Sacramento's pulled out. They just said, no, we don't want him anymore. My Um, Hawks have been mentioned a lot. Um, and I read just this morning that Trey Young and Jalen Johnson are more or less untouchable. Anyone else's yeah, fair game. They're, they're literally just saying we're open slather to yeah. offers. But you know, against someone like a Clint Capella going to Golden State would shore up Ooh. their interior or defense. Or Clint Capella going to my Knicks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would, I would mind that. We but need, we would, need, we need a good center as he, well because Hartenstein's good, but you just have the we, depth. We, we needed more depth center you just with, need, with you the, just need the injuries we've got. Yeah, that's all it is. So anyway, we're getting massively off topic. Yes. So the question is though that I was going to pose is: Do Golden State need to pull the trigger on a trade? Hundred percent, they do. Or, or, are we looking at a coaching change? No, you can't get rid of Steve Kerr. I don't think so. You can't get rid of Steve but, Kerr. But Steve Kerr happens is one of the best coaches of the last 10 years. 100% agree with you, but short of Greg Popovich and Eric Spolstra, if you're not getting the best out of your team as a coach, you're you're gone. Yes. They, you know, those organizations will let Pop and Spo do their thing because they are just geniuses of what they do. And I think Steve Kerr should be in that conversation. But you look at Frank Vogel for the Lakers, wins a, wins a chip in 2020 in the bubble. By 2022, sorry, mate, you're gone. Yeah, but that might have been LeBron as well, like Le- GM, GM LeBron. LeBron. Look, every chance. 
Anyway, that's enough of my talking. Yeah. Next up for me, um, I just want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. And if you look at their roster, and I've got their roster up here in front of me. They have a sneaky good roster. They've got players like Royce O'Neal, who is a used to be a starter up for the Jazz and was a solid player. Like, very solid on defense, uh, could shoot the ball well, just did all the little things for you. Mikhail Bridges was no more of a 3 and D guy when he was at the Suns, came across to Brooklyn when um, they traded for KD. And now now he's he's shown that he can be a player on both ends of the floor. He can be your number one option on offense. And then like a player that he reminds me of a lot is SGA. Yep. Um, But I think he potentially is a better defender. Yeah, agreed. SGA is good on his steals, but overall As a defending, Bridges, yeah. I reckon Bridges is there. Cam Johnson, flat-out shooter, very young player, had some injuries and all that sort of stuff, but very potential there as well. But Bridges and Johnson were the cornerstones of that trade yep. to get Durant into yep. Phoenix. So you know, there, there's obviously going to be a lot of expectation on them coming from Phoenix where they weren't the focal point and then you to got where they are. Dennis Smith Jr., who's just trying to get his NBA career back on track. You've got Lonnie Walker, the fourth, who's trying to get his career back on track. Ben Simmons is injured. Constantly. Um, constantly. You've got Cam Thomas, who came out and dropped like four 40-point games in a row when they had injuries and then sat on the bench again after that. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't playing, but he's playing more this year. Spencer Dinwiddie, who, for some reason, has just had a longevity in the NBA and is a player that is going to get minutes. Yep. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith, once again, at Dallas, role player. Um, was doing really well for them. Nick Claxton, fifth year in the league. So, like, he's he's developing. He's 24 now. He's been in the league five years. He's he's an up-and-coming center and has shown that he could be the blocks leader in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. But you look at their standings at the moment. And the so, trash. they are sitting ninth at 16 and 20. Yeah. So under four, under five hundred, they did have a win over Sacramento the other day. So they they, they can show in glimpses that they are good. But I'm just going to throw you a wild question that you always throw at me, mate. Like and it. I'm like, if you were the GM in Brooklyn, what's your next move to make them competitive? Look, it's it's a tricky one because I think that they they put a lot of faith in Ben Simmons and him being healthy. And he's not. No. He's not. If if he can be, you know, 70% of the player that he was at Philadelphia, he changes that team completely. He provides so much more defense. And it was good to see at the start of the year when he was yeah. healthy before he started having these um, back issues back issues again that he, he looked like he was playing decent ball. He still can't yeah. shoot, but that's, throw a beach ball in the ocean, but, but that's, that's a different that's, topic. That's definitely an issue, though, is that when you've got Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons on the court, you've got two elite defenders, yep. but you've got two guys who can't shoot a lick. Yeah. So the only way you can run them is if you've got legitimate shooters everywhere else. My One of my things uh, looking at that team, though, is you've got, as I said, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Mikhail Bridges. Yep. But I feel like they're three of the same prototype player. Yeah. They're trying to compete for the same minutes with each other. And I'm not sure that it'll work having two or all three of them on the court at once. I think, in especially in the Eastern Conference at the moment, 
this it's simple they're just not talented enough you look at the elite teams and and you know boston and philly and that they're the depth in their rosters but not only that you look at someone like miami who have got bam and jimmy buckets and kyle lowry and and these sorts of elite players brooklyn don't have that no you know, bridges is a good player but he's not a superstar yet yet you know cam thomas good player not a superstar cam johnson good player great shooter but still very young, very raw. Yeah. Ben Simmons was a superstar, needs to prove that he can be again if he's going to be of any use to them. Yeah, 100%. All right, a little uh, segue from there is Kyrie Irving getting traded out of Brooklyn to Dallas. And Dallas have been sneaky good this season so far. They're cruising along, even with Kyrie missing 12 games with a foot injury. And a couple of the Aussie boys in Josh Green and Dante Exum have really stepped up and playing unbelievably well. Like Dante's been starting and putting up legit numbers. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. They're knocking off some really good teams in the league. Yep. And they're holding their own against the elite teams. Yeah, they're, they're 21 and 15. They're not top, top tier, but they're, they're cruising along. And they're doing this with a garbage coach whose philosophy is just give Luca the ball and get out of his way. And we have criticised Jason Kidd and on, we'll the, on this podcast to do before. So. Um, as it, my philosophy has always been that if there is a player that has been a star player, they're going to make a pretty average coach. My philosophy, I feel like role players in the NBA are the ones that just like a, make, make better coaches. Willie Green yeah. is a great coach. Monty Williams. Great coach. But you know, I agree. Rick Carlo. And Could I will going. just bag on Jason Kidd and the Clippers essentially for as long as we do this podcast well they're sitting six so they're 21 and 15 yep. Dallas yep. Um, and I think part of that is the resurgence of Dante Exum um, in Kyrie's absence like stepping in that starting lineup because Josh Green was starting as well and he got injured yep. and he was given the opportunity and he's more mature body now. He's like 28. Dude, he's grabbed and, it with both hands. He's oh, shown that he deserves to be in the league and we've, again. We've touched on this before, but it's it's good to see him getting that opportunity yep. and grabbing it, yeah, grabbing it with both hands and dunking that thing. 100%. All right, my last one for this segment is... I'm going to, t- I'm going to talk about Indiana again. I'm going to go back to Indiana. I'm sorry. No, go with it. Go with it. I'm going back to Indiana... And they've just finished their matchup with the Bucks for the season. Normally, they'd be playing four because they're both in the East. Yes. But they managed. They played a fifth because they had the knockout game in the in-season tournament. Yes, 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 yes. And they've beaten the Bucks four out of those five games. Yeah. They have their number. 100% they do. And even though you've got Boston at one, Milwaukee at two, Philly at three, I would hate to play Indiana in a seven-game series. It would not be fun. They could knock out a big, like, name in, like, the first or second round of the playoffs. Look, they really could. They they absolutely... You, like you just said, if you're coming into the playoffs and they're sitting that sort of five, six, seven mark, as the th- th- you know, third or fourth team, you're not going to want to face them. I do think they need to focus a little more on defense. Agreed. As they are number one in the NBA in scoring. Yeah, they blew and out my Hawks 150 to 100. They have scored 150 points, I think, in like... It's a bunch of games. bunch of games. Yeah. Um, and they're averaging 126.8. But they are allowing opponents to score 124.2. Well, there you go. So, they're first in assists. They're not the greatest rebounding team, but they put the ball in the basket. 
and they're just run and gun. They remind me of um, like the Suns teams from yeah, back, back in the, the day. day. Um, yeah. Even the Knicks at one point where it was just shoot within the first five seconds of, of getting the ball down the court. Mm-hmm. And we, we'd go on about him, but we're, we love the smile on Sasson, mate. We love Halliburton um, and the numbers he's putting up, even though... I did see some video on the other day of him uh, stat padding when he got those two 20 and 20 games, so 20 points and 20 assists. That's fine. That but hey, good. he's young. He was loving life. They were winning, and I'm all for it. But I think I'm just putting that warning out there to those top couple of teams. Look out for Indiana in the playoffs. Definitely. It's a physical game. <laughs> Once again, another freak athlete there in our little break between segments. Big old Blake Griffin dunking over the New York Knicks. If you haven't seen it, look it up because it is actually a massive dunk. It's absolutely worth a look. But as I said at the start of the uh, podcast, we haven't done one now. This is our weekly podcast for about two weeks. Yep. So we last released our last one on Christmas Day. Yeah, so we've got a bit to catch up on since yep, Christmas Yeah, so we're just going to do a bit of a catch-up segment. Well, considering it's, what, the 7th of January now when we're recording this, so we're, we've got about two weeks' worth to uh, to touch on. So Christmas Day games is probably the most logical place to start. Good place to start there. All right, so for those playing at home, the winners were Denver, the Knicks, Celtics, Miami, and Dallas. But I wanted to talk to you, Foss, about... Who had the most impressive performance, in your opinion, on Christmas Day? Well, on the day, I did manage to watch 13 hours of basketball. Exactly. Why so, I asked you this question? It was it was a big day of basketball for me, and I did put up some uh, posts on social media that day as well. Um, but the who impressed you the most? I would have to say it was my New York Knicks. Okay. Why? Because I did not expect him to come close to the Bucks. I don't think many people did. No. Um, and Jalen Brunson is legit. Jalen Brunson is a for his six point uh, six foot two guard with not much athleticism. Mm-hmm. He just goes about what he's doing and so well. gets it done so well. But watch watching all that basketball, a few of those games were a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch 13 hours. Yes. I watched bits and pieces. I, I also had food poisoning, but that's a different story. True story. But look, Embiid not playing is is always going to put a dampener on it. Yep. Yeah, you want the best players playing. Um, you know, the Lakers aren't a great team. Yes, LeBron is a massive draw card, but they're not a great team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I... I can see I can see what you're saying about it being a little bit disappointing. Yes, it was a bit disappointing overall for the day. There's um, a really there's a really interesting part of JJ Reddick's podcast where he and Tim Legler are talking about the Christmas Day games and what other teams they would have liked to have seen play on Christmas Day. Yep, and they proposed an OKC Minnesota game, I think. Oh, that would be all right. That'd be like that'd be a fun game to watch. Yeah, and you, I think it was like the Lakers not playing and Golden State not playing, so it was two big teams not playing. But it was something like they that. are big draw cards with when you got Curry and LeBron on and, it's and t- that sort of stuff. But it's as TV we ratings. as we've already touched on in this podcast, they're garbage at the moment. Oh, 100 percent. But this is all about TV ratings. The yeah. Christmas Day games are TV ratings. But I think 
individually on Christmas Day, Brunson was amazing. Yeah. Anthony Davis was a beast for the Lakers. He had 40 and 15 or something like that. Yep. Luca went nuts and dropped a 50 piece. Yep. But the one player that impressed me the most, Jamie Vasquez Jr. from Miami. He had yeah. 31 and 10 as a rookie off the bench. All right. Coming coming back to something that I've been saying as long as I've, we've known each other. Players need to stay at college for four years. Correct. You look at just Vasquez Jr. or however you say his name. I'm not... I'm, ja- Jamie. Jamie, yeah. But he was a four-year college player at UCLA. Wasn't highly recruited and that sort of stuff. Miami picks him up. Uh, I think mid-first round, like pick 13 or something fits the Miami culture fits the Miami culture but he's just he's he's mature he knows how to play basketball he's he does the right plays he's he's a player that Jimmy Butler absolutely loves because he has a winning mentality and will do the little things for you another one who and he he fills the role of them losing Max Struess yes um, who Struess going to uh, Cleveland I was like oh I don't know where they're going to be able to fill him because he came out of nowhere last year and made um, Robinson lose court time and sit on the bench. Um, and then losing that, I was just like, oh, Robinson's improving. Yep. And we've seen that this season. We've we talked have, about that. We have. But this rookies came in and put him in the all-rookie yeah. first team straight away. 100%. He, he will be in there. 100%. Agree. He'll up, he's up there with Chet. He'll be there with Wemby. Yep. But he, he's not going to win rookie of the year. No, he's not. He's but, not. But he's having an, a great season. And that was just a really impressive performance on Christmas Day. Yeah. And look, coming out of that, talking about some of those, like the Miami team, and you know, do they need to make a trade? There's so many rumors starting to swirl at the moment. The trade deadline's about a month away. Where, where's your head at with all of this? Um, I think Miami's been trying to make a trade since the end of last year. Mm. Um, and they're just not getting the offers. I don't think they've got the capital at the moment to land any big fish i don't think they do either unless they're prepared to move bam which you wouldn't be no you, you've got to hold on to bam you've got to hold on to jimmy you, you you've need... probably got to hold on to um jamie look at the end of the day you need either a player to go i want to go to miami yeah or you're having someone that a, a team is just selling for pennies on the on a dollar yeah you know if if it's a gordon haywood for example out of charlotte and you could do a straight swap for Kyle Lowry. You know, it's junk for junk. But, you know, it, it might be that sort of deal they yeah. can get done. But I can't see them landing a big fish. And talking about trades, my first point here is uh, New York Knicks pulled, pulled the, trigger. the trigger. They pulled yeah. the trigger first off. A, and A very rare December trade. Really, very rare. But um, so if those that haven't heard, which... If you're living under a rock, you might not have. But New York Knicks traded with the Toronto Raptors um, and they sent uh, Emmanuel Quickly yep. and RJ Barrett, a uh, Canadian, yep. back up to the Great North. And um, I, I think there was two second round picks. Yeah, they didn't, well. give up, they didn't give up a first. But the main, the main piece they got back, they got back um, Precious Achua Precious and-, and a role player. Um, and uh, sorry, a G League player. Yeah. And uh, OG Anubi, who since coming over, goddamn, he just fits. He fits. He fits. Absolutely. He is a better defender than RJ. Yes. 
and he's putting up similar numbers on offense. Yeah, absolutely. He's a and bit he, more. He's a bit more mature. He's been in the league a little bit yeah. longer. I think he's a and better he's, fit he's, next to Brunson. And oh, he's the sort of player that I reckon Coach Tibbs would absolutely. Oh love. yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll um, be it'll be his second favorite player behind Taj Gibson. Yeah. I think I think Achua, who came across Precious Achua, um, is injured at the moment. Yes. Um, but if he comes back, he will help shore up our center position. He had really big raps when he first came into the league in Miami, mm. but just hasn't been able to put it together on the court. Yeah, really- Inju- injuries have derailed his, his career a little have. bit and that sort of thing. But overall, I rate it because um, this trade makes New York Knicks starting lineup more difficult to score on and more difficult to guard. Absolutely does. And you didn't give up any first round yeah, picks. Yeah, they only cost the Knicks two uh, second round picks, which means they have eight first round picks left and look, to giving get a star. Up, yeah, if giving up Barrett, yeah, he was a really good player. Giving up Quigley, Quigley was awesome, but he just but, didn't have a role there because they have so much depth yes. in that position. And you need you need to let Quigley free. He was going to be your Moses Moody from Absolutely. Golden State Warriors. He was going to start getting um, disheartened that yeah. he's, he's not yeah. getting the playing time he was like. He, he was sometimes our second leading scorer off the bench. Yeah. And he was scoring 25 points in 20 minutes. But like that lights out. He needs somewhere where he can grow and do that in a team like Toronto with then developing. Put him next to um, Scotty Barnes. Absolutely. I'd start him next to Scotty Barnes. And I think they probably do. If yeah. You know. um, and yeah. And as I said, OG and Ubi, yeah. He's just better, better than RJ. Like yeah. I was loving RJ's season this year. I said it earlier in one of our earlier podcasts, I was loving the season he's having, but we weren't winning with it and that sort no. of thing. But in saying this trade, let's look out for another one from New York. Yes, absolutely. Because they've, they've still got a lot of assets, especially in the first round picks. They've improved and yeah. we are up to fourth now in the East. Yep. Um, but we're not done. We don't have We don't have enough at the moment to beat the three teams above us. No, no. Um, and I feel like, and I've been saying this for many years, we need to get rid of uh, Randall. You have said that for a very long very time. Very long time. Like, I'm not the massive fan. Like, he's, he's playing pretty good at the moment. But I saw a thing the other day, and Chris Hatswarzingas has gone to Boston and is playing really well. He is. But he is their fourth option, realistically. He is on fourth option money, and you've got um, Tatum, Brown, and Holiday all making more than him and probably all having more shots than him. Yeah. But he might, he might be a second-leading scorer in one game, um, but he, he's loving life up there because he's, he's taking a lot of the pressure off him and he is thriving. Yeah. Randall is on the same money. So Randall should be the fourth option in a team. But he's, for second. the Knicks, he is our second option. Yeah. And down the stretch in games, he's not getting it done. And I've, I've seen lately watching their games and on Christmas Day especially, he didn't get the ball in the fourth quarter. Um, Brunson just held onto it. Yeah. Brunson literally held onto the ball and carried the whole New York Knicks team on their back. And I, that's going to p- piss Randall off probably. You'd assume so. And look, who do they go after though? Like there's, there's always been the rumors about you know, the Knicks wanting Embiid and the Knicks wanting Cat. Those two dudes aren't getting traded. No, Cat's not getting traded from the T-Wolves this year. Not now. Last year. Maybe. They probably would like, because there was a lot of rumors floating around last year. But no, they were wanting to go after Cat, but they're not getting, they're him, not getting him anymore. No. Um, and I honestly do not know. But we've got eight first round picks to put with a 
Fournier and a Randall and oh, you can, maybe you, someone you, else. You've got enough you enough with the players there to, to make salaries match, yep. no question. But yeah, it's it's how you use those draft picks to get the, the results you're looking for. Yeah. Even maybe sending uh, Randall back to Los Angeles. Look, yeah, nothing has surprised me anymore these days in the NBA, but there's so many teams out there that are looking to make moves. Um, Toronto being another one. Siakam's been on the block for the last year and a half. Yep. So I dare say you'll see him get moved. There's a lot of talk around my Hawks at the moment. Apparently the Lakers are really interested in DeJounte Murray. So there's there's a lot of potential. And I already said this, that if we get Capella, I reckon that'd be great. I'd probably start Capella and Hartenstein. Yeah, <laughs> you could, you could again, it depends what you got to give up to get him. But if, yeah, true. if it was just a first round pick and a contract. Maybe a DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. Slot him in there somewhere. Yeah. We'd, we'd always need more shooting. Every team needs more shooting. Yeah. And again, my Hawks have just been trash. So I'm, I'm happy for them to blow it up. And But like I said a few pods back, if they go and trade for Fournier, I'm off them. And finally, we have Detroit winning a game. It, it only Hallelujah. Took, it only took 28 losses in a row for them to finally win a game. And they beat Toronto by two points. 129 to 127 to finally get a win. And, it and was, I, think, I think they have my Knicks to thank for that because there was some players that weren't yes. playing because of the trade. Absolutely. But look, it is officially the longest losing streak in NBA history of any team. Wow. Um, I believe. It was... I mean, look, again, they're a team that should be better than, than they are We've talked about it a little bit. I don't know if we've done it on the pod or just between us, but you know they threw so much money at Monty Williams that he couldn't say no. But they're just not a good team. Hmm. But anyway, anyway, it was good to see them finally get a win. They were up like 20 on Boston the night before and choked in that game. So it was good to see them finally get one. Look, Cade Cunningham's coming out and he's like, we're not as bad as this. Oh, and they're not. But... They just need to start proving it. Like they're not a Monty they're not Williams a team that doesn't should, want to be there. No, nah, they're not a team that should lose twenty eight games in a row. But no. they did. It's over now. But having said that, they still haven't won this year. Yeah, so they're they're three wins still for yeah. the year. Yeah, so they're on track to win about seven games. Yeah. What else you got for us, Foss? What else have we missed in the meantime? Um, I was gonna talk a bit about Boston. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think much big, needs to say but you've got big raps on KP at the moment he's, he's super impressed you this year hasn't he yep and I think as I said that when we are talking about in the last little bit was um, he's playing that fourth role yeah for him and he's putting up career high numbers yeah and and looking good he's I've said I've said, the it, court. said in another podcast him and um, Brown Jalen Brown they great chemistry have great chemistry but I don't like how little ball movement happens when Jason Tatum gets it. It does get a bit stagnant. It is it? very nineties basketball where it's just or early two thousands, sorry, probably more than nineties where it's just, hey, we're gonna give the ball to our superstar and we're gonna stand around and watch him yeah. go at it. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Jason Tatum is a superstar. But at the same time I'm just kinda of like it's not good basketball. No, it's not and it's not, not fun to you're watch. Not, you, if you come up against good defenders and good teams and that's not gonna win you the chip. And they have yeah. fallen short, what, the last three Morgan years in a row? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where they've, they've been 
touted as being the team to do it, the team to win. They seem to struggle with like late game execution in particular. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Like they, they go to Tatum because he's their superstar and it's ISO ball. And yeah. like you said, it's not good to watch. It's not good basketball and it's not winning them games. No. And they've lost some games that they should have won Absolutely. because of it. Um, and I'm, I've, and I think like their defense needs to come a bit better too. Yeah, like and, they're they're a heavily offensive touted yeah, team, yeah. and that was always going to be the way. They're not a massively deep team. They are a slightly aging team. When you got Drew Holiday, Al Horford, you know these guys are a little bit older, um, and they they still just don't have the depth that they've had in previous years. So they're playing on a short rotation. So is that going to be something that's going to come back and haunt them at the back end of the season? I think we need to talk about bald-headed Derek White. Yes. Who, realistically, and we've talked about how Jalen Brown is having an average season. Yes. He's still putting up decent numbers, I'm not going to lie, but for what he's getting paid... You'd expect more. You'd expect more from him. But Derek White is absolutely playing out of his skin. He really is. And, like, I almost almost expect him to be an all-star this year. I'm not quite sure if I'm there yet. I reckon he. I reckon he might get a bench spot. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Like he's not going to be a starter. No, but it was like you know the Hawks a few quite a few years ago now, where they didn't lose a game in the month of January, and the whole team, like the whole starting five, were in the All Star game. Yeah. So you know there could be a situation like that with Boston. You could easily see four of those guys playing in the All Star game, but even um, Sam Hauser off the bench is mm. just lights out shooting. Lights out shooter. So you know they 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 probably are still a little bit small. They probably do need another bigger body like New York do, like a lot of teams do. Yeah. Um, to really push, especially a team like Philly, where you've got Embiid, like to be able to try and slow that beast down. Yeah. So, you know, same thing. You know, you come up against Joker in the in the finals, you know, that's a tough matchup for anyone. And if you're already undersized, that's gonna be tricky. Yeah. Um another team in the West that I just wanted to touch on real quickly in our little uh, in this little section is Phoenix. You know, we've been talking since we started the pod about their big three and they've played about half an hour of basketball together for the entire season and we've played nearly 40 games. And they just can't get them on the court. You finally get Bradley Beal back and then he turns his ankle and then misses another three weeks and then they get him back and now KD's out as well. And it's we keep talking about health. Health is huge. Health but, of teams But you talk to you talk to. You listen to things that the experts say that the coaches say, especially like when Miami put the big three together of Bosch, Wade and LeBron, and they talk about how many games it took for them as a as a group to really gel and yep. get to know each other and get the flow and be comfortable. And it took them, you know, twenty games before they looked reasonable, but it took them a year and a half before they were good. Yeah. Is this going to be the same thing in Phoenix? You know, is it going to be a thirty-seven-year-old Durant still trying to carry carry the team? Like Booker's done amazing playing that point role. Yes, he's been really, really good. Surprising, but as soon as you take you know Durant out of the starting lineup, for example, as an injury, they look like such a different team. Durant has had to carry them early on this season. Yes, he has. Um, And there is rumors circling around that he is getting frustrated about it because they made all these moves and they gave away some key pieces for a team that's not getting on the court. 
hundred percent. I it, if if I'm in that situation, that's frustrating me. Yeah, no question about it. But yeah, they. I don't. I don't think they even looked that good when they had all three on the court as well. It's just there's not enough of a sample size to 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 know and for sure. It was always a big question mark on whether there was going to be enough ball to go around. Yeah, yeah. Where Booker and Durant on the same court together is enough. They can get they enough can shots up work. and that sort of thing. Um, but with with three heavy ball users and three great shooters out there, is it going to work? It's oh, it's a if, big. It's it's always been a big question mark, and I think it continues to be a big question mark. If you're looking at teams taking let's say 90 shots in a game you know that in today's nba you're probably looking at 40 triples yeah which is ludicrous but that's beside the point if you're taking phoenix and you've got kd book and beal all wanting you know 20 25 shots yeah there's not really anything left for anyone else you do have like we've touched on eric gordon off the bench and he came out the other day and hit seven of 11 triples so if he gets hot you want to feed that as well so who's going to be the one to make the sacrifices and as you say if it's durant he's going to get annoyed yeah um and booker still wants to get his shots Booker's young enough and has been in phoenix long enough that he's going to be like i've paid my dues i'm i'm getting my shots up yep but i feel like there's still a big question mark around whether those three are going to work or whether KD is going to want to be moved on. Yeah, look, it'd be and huge. be the next Harden. It would be huge if KD tries to push his way out of Phoenix. I did. I just finish up on here. I did see a thing the other day about the Lakers getting him. KD, yeah, you did show me that actually. But, but it was a bit of a bit of a joke. But I was just like that. The whole the NBA would lose NBA would mind. lose their mind if that went. They ahead. would lose their mind. In transition, Wade finds James. All right, so to round out this weekly episode of the Buckets Beard podcast, the first fan results back for the All-Star voting. few surprises in there. There is some few surprises. So in the East, we've got uh, top three front court, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel, Joel Embiid, and Jason Tatum. And then the guards, we've got Tyrese Halliburton, Burton, Damian Lillard, and Trey Young. Yeah, look, I'm not... I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. I can see where they're coming from. In the West, in the front court, you've got LeBron, Durant, and the Joker. Uh, and the guards, Luca, Steph, and SGA as your top three vote-getters. But the thing that surprises me across the board in all of them is actually just the massive difference in numbers between the votes. So you look at in the front court in the East, Tatum's third with 1.7 million yep. votes. Jimmy Buckets is fourth with 700,000. Yeah. Like, it's a huge discrepancy. Total discrepancy. Yeah, it's the same. Even in the guards in the West, SGA's got just under a million votes. James Harden's fourth at just over 400,000. Yeah. So, it really does appear that there is like a distinguishable top three yeah, players in, in each in each side. But is there anyone on, on these lists, Foss, that really surprises you like is there anyone that's too low in your opinion anyone that's too high well looking at the east in general because i'm usually looking at the east i'm the east guy um look mikhail bridges bridges being at seven and cole kuzma at nine um i'm I'm, i don't really like even jalen brown at four uh, five sorry in the front court in the east i feel like they're way too high um i would like to see pablo banquero a lot higher because he's sitting at 10 um, Damian Lillard at two for the guards. I just don't think he's done enough this year. 
Like he, he's getting that already. He's getting bet. He's, yeah, that's hundred percent. And this one thing I wanted to say about this fan vote is it's a big joke. It's the star players. Doesn't matter how they're playing, are going to get the votes in here. And you can see that by Jalen Brunson is sixth. He is having a cracker of a year, and I reckon should be up above Trey Young and Damian Lillard. Even Tyrese Maxey. We talked about him a Tyrese lot. Tyrese Maxey, yeah. You know, he, he definitely did Sitting deserves. fifth. And then you got LaMelo Ball, who's been injured most of the year, who's in yep. there at seven. Yeah, exactly right. And look, there's a similar sort of thing going on over in the West, but the big surprise is Alperin Sagoon is seventh in the front court voting, and he's sitting above Victor, Chet, and Carly Anthony Towns. It makes me think about how many... Uh, people live in Turkey and to vote yeah, for him. They're all voting. But again, like the front court in the West, I don't think you can really argue it. Like even after Jokey, you've got Anthony Davis. You're top five in the West in the front court. Yeah. I'm like, fair enough. They're all having cracker years. And look, I look at the the guards in the West. We all know how I feel about James Harden. So I'm not going to harp on that. And Kyrie Irving's in the same boat as James Harden, in my opinion. Yep. Anthony Air was absolutely deserves to be higher than those two Muppets. Dread. Ja Morant shouldn't be in there because he ja played, played a handful of games. Not be seventh. De'Aaron Fox is way too low. Yeah. And look, Clay and Austin Reeves, I could take or leave. Clay, Clay Thompson and Austin Reeves are role players, mate. They, they're, they're not all stars. They're getting picked off reputations as well. Like yeah. that's all it is. Austin Reeves is getting picked because he plays with LeBron James. Yep, and he's huge in some of the Asian countries. I guess the biggest them. biggest snub that I can see is once again Devin Booker. Yeah, Book doesn't even rate a mention. Yeah, he's not even in here. No, which is a travesty. Yeah. Um, other players, I know he hasn't played much. Bradley, Bradley Beal usually gets a few. Usually gets votes. Even Chris Paul usually Chris still gets Paul some votes. Chris Paul usually gets some votes. That, that just aren't rainy mentions. But again, this is just purely a fan vote. So it is just people picking who their favorites are. So, And I'm not 100% clear on this, but I'm pretty sure that it is just... Um, I think they've, they've lowered it down to like 30% yeah, of the it's, overall it's, voters' it's nothing, fan vote. Because it used to be like 70% was fan vote. Like and you used to get some absolute crazy all-stars in there. Yeah, oh, look, I think this is something that we're going to talk about in one of our uh, overtime episodes in the coming weeks. Are going to be just some of the uh, most disappointing, I guess, almost all-star selections. Like Worst you know, all-star selections? Yeah, like when you had back in the day and you'd have... Uh, Yao Ming voted in as your all-star starting center in the West, but he didn't play a game because he had a broken foot. Yeah. You know, things like that's a joke. Yeah. It's why the whole all-star game has become a joke. And it has become a joke. That's like, a topic for another that day. Is the whole, that is a, a total timeout episode on its own. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But uh, that's taken us to the end of our podcast. Happy New Year to everyone, as I said. And... Um, we will catch you on the flippity flip. Peace. Peace. Catch you guys on the flippity flip. <laughs> <laughs>